Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. You will also find player profiles, which we'll be covering today. But let's just talk about the fact that we are on our 40th episode. Started recording these podcasts in the middle of the baseball season, I think uh, July, early July, uh, late June. Uh, first did it, and we are already at episode 40. We are at our midlife crisis in terms of podcasts. I just don't know which way to go. I may have to get myself a convertible car or something uh, to uh, because of this episode 40. I'm definitely going to have to give up uh, my dreams of having a minivan. Um, unlike a lot of people who have always uh, not wanted a minivan, I always wanted a lot of kids uh, when I was growing up. I've got two. I don't know if we're going to add another one or not down the road. We'll see uh, what happens there. But um, I always wanted a minivan, and there's some pretty dope minivans out there. Um, and so, you know, uh, yes. Yeah, so instead of getting that minivan, maybe in this 40th episode, Midlife Crisis, I am going to go uh, for a convertible car. Uh, no offense meant to anybody who actually does drive a convertible who is 40 or older. It's just the stereotype, so I apologize. Anyways, moving on from talk of midlife crises, minivans, and convertibles, what I am going to do uh, is we are going to hop into profiles. We have an interesting four players going to cover today. Chris Davis of the Oakland A's, Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs, Blake Snell of the Tampa Rays, and Garrett Cole of the Houston Astros. Really interesting guys. Uh, Rizzo and, and Davis generally very consistent over the last three years. Rizzo with a little bit of a slip last year, which has dropped him down draft boards. I'll cover whether I think that is, uh, that is where he should be or whether he should be pushed up a little bit, especially that power, whether the power is going to return um, to where it was the two previous seasons. Also taking a look at Snell and and Cole, who um, won a lot of leagues last year. You got a ton of value if you draw, drafted them in fantasy drafts last year. They're now way up the ADP ladder, and so are they worth it at the current ADPs? We will get in-depth into that as usual. As always, you can find me um, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy, and search on YouTube for BatFlipCrazy. The blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. I've got some ideas now about how I'm going to update it, and that will happen soon. As usual, um, you can also find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you do like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. Tell your friends press retweet, hit like, do everything you can to promote the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. For folks who leave a five-star rating, just tweet at me and let me know that you left a five-star rating. Uh, And you can choose one of the players to be covered in a subsequent profile. If you give me a five-star rating and leave a nice review, you can pick a whole podcast of players. Choose your three players that you want me to cover, and I will hop to it. Anyways, Chris Davis, Anthony Rizzo, Blake Snell, Garrett Cole. Let's get this party started. 
right, first up on today's show, we have Chris Davis, outfielder for the Oakland Athletics. This is Chris Davis with a K. Early, too early draft, uh, too early mock draft, average draft position was 34.9. It's up slightly to 37.25 in the now 12 NFBC drafts that have taken place, a minimum pick of 25 and a max pick of 48. Davis has consistently played over 150 games the last three seasons, uh, as well as more than 600 plate appearances, 610, 652, and 654. Uh, in 2018. So pretty, uh, pretty fortunate so far in terms of injury. Now, what we know about Chris Davis is that he bats 247 every year, which is slightly below league average. 247, 247, 247. You may believe that that means he's super consistent with his batting average, but his expected batting average those three years was not the exact same. 252 this past year, 254 in 2017, and 267 Uh, in 2016. But really, you know what you're getting in terms of batting average from Davis, which which is at least somewhat comforting. Uh, From a Babbitt perspective, uh, 261. This is down from 290 uh, last year, uh, 270 the year before that. So pretty consistent there with the 290, a little bit of an outlier. His strikeout rate was down this year, which is is really nice, down to 26.8%. So still Well above league average, about 4.5%, but much better than the near 30% strikeout rate that he had last year. Contact rate, very stable, 68% overall contact under the 77% league average, and then 77, 78 the last couple years in terms of his Z contact. So those are not necessarily good numbers, um, but one of the things that has improved for Davis is his uh, plate discipline. Uh, over the last two years, uh, uh, 26.6% O-swing uh, in 2018, 25.2 last year. That's after having an O-swing at 31.2 in 2016. So the, he is matching that poor kind of contact with at least a better approach at the plate, which is really good to see. He's not, a, he, he's not really an asset in OBP leagues. He's about league average. So just something to consider as you think about whether Davis is going to fit into your overall team construction is recognizing that he's going to be slightly below league average uh, in batting average. And in OBP, he's going to be right around league average. He, um, uh, he swings slightly above league average, 9% walk rate uh, this past year, 11.2% uh, the year before that. So above league average, which is really nice. Uh, he used to be a little bit more of a free swinger. And so that is, that is really good to see. Uh, 98 runs this past year for a 15% runs per plate appearance. Uh, that is his highest RBI or run total in the last three years, 91 and 85 before that. Uh, two straight years around 14% runs per plate appearance. So that 14 to 15% range looks about right for him. He's consistently there, assuming that he stays in the A's lineup and he's got some nice guys batting around him, guys like Matt Olson. Home runs. 48, again, very, very consistent. And that's something you'll note throughout Davis's profile. One of the things that you're drafting with Davis is a very consistent profile that, knock on wood, you can count on. Now, obviously, you know, that doesn't mean that he's going to do the same year, same thing this upcoming year, or that the skills are going to be stable uh, from last year to this year, this year being 2019. But, you know, at least we have some consistency and, and idea of what we can expect 
uh, as a baseline from him. 42 home runs, 43 home runs, 48 this year, 45.9 expected home runs, 40.5 expected home runs, and 46.6 expected home runs two years ago. So all of the home run totals and the expected home run totals are above 40 uh, for the last three years. That is obviously very, very solid. His 7.3% home runs per plate appearance uh, this past year in 2018 uh, was a a three-year high. Um, So he definitely, we don't see any skill um, decline uh, there, at least in the outcomes. His hard hit rate was also at a three-year high this year, 45.3%, about exactly 10% above league average. His ground ball rate was also down to 35.3%. So that may be why we see that spike in home runs. We'll have to take a look at some of his underlying power metrics but uh, less, fewer ground balls is great. Uh, also, just remember that the fewer ground balls he hits, um, that it's likely his batting average, although we haven't seen it yet, he's going to hit 247. Uh, his batting average is likely to go down a little bit, I'm assuming there are more fly balls than line drives resulting in that. Home run per fly ball, very consistent, 24.1% in 2018, 26.9 and 26.6%, the two years before that. So well in that 25% range, I think you can count um, on that to continue. Um, Again, as long as the skills and the health remain, 47.2% hard hit fly ball rate, 10% above league average, uh, down slightly from last year's 53.8%, but 47.5% before that. So very strong hard hit fly ball rate. Hard hit pulled fly ball rate. Again, hard hit pulled fly ball rate is more important for guys who don't pack a ton of power. Uh, Chris Davis is obviously not one of those guys, and we knows, know that he hits home runs uh, to all fields. 20.2% hard hit pulled fly ball rate, so below league average, but 11.6% and 24% the two previous years, so he doesn't need that, need to pull the ball to hit home runs. Barrels, again, very, very consistent. 70, 67, 67, 10.7% barrel per plate appearance in 2018, 103 the year before that, 11 the year before that. Average home run distance within three feet of each other. Are you are you uh, starting to pick up on a on a trend here with our buddy Chris Davis? He has an incredibly uh, consistent uh, profile the past three years. RBI one twenty three this year, one ten and one oh two the two years before that. He peaked this year with an eighteen point eight percent RBI per plate appearance. Uh, probably benefiting from having more guys on base in front of him. Uh, folks like uh, Jed Lowry. Uh, for instance, um, who had a, who had a pretty good OBP uh, last year. The home runs are obviously going to help. So triple-digit RBIs the last three years. He's one of the guys who, assuming he's healthy, assuming the skills continue, and he gets those plate appearances, he stays healthy. You're looking at triple-digit RBIs. Bank on it. Woba, 365, 373 expected. Again, very consistent. Uh, 366 last year, 376 the year before that. So all within uh, uh, 10 points of each other. Stolen bases, zero this year. He did have four the year before. But really, you know, you're going you're gonna to plug him in for maybe one stolen base this year, zero stolen bases. And then if you get any, uh, you are feeling lucky. Uh, seven, uh, 170, uh, 1.7 and 1.8 uh, and 0% stolen base opportunities. So again, he's only stealing when they're giving it to him. Sprint speed, we'll show you a little bit of the reason why. 27.1 feet per second two years ago, 26.5 in 2017, and then 26.2% last year. So a below uh, average speed 
for Chris Davis. Now let's take a look at his detailed batted ball profile via X stats. So um, dribbler percentage this year was down at uh, the lowest of the last uh, three years, four years actually, 15.9%. That's really good. Again, remember, we saw that the ground balls, uh, that he's hitting fewer ground balls. And so he's taking those ground balls out of the area that we like to take them out of, uh, which is the dribbler percentage, 15.9%. That is almost uh, 10%. Uh, below league average. Ground balls steady at 18%. Line drives down a little bit at 11.3%. What we care about though is the hard drive rate. That's these high line drives, low fly balls that tend to go for uh, extra base hits and home runs. He's at 21.8%, so more than double league average. That's actually down from 23% in 2017, um, but up from 20.6% in 2016. So as you can see, again, very consistent. The dude hits the ball uh, a lot at very good launch angle and exit velocity combinations, and that is why he hits a ton of home runs. So really, really nice to see this. The one area of concern, and it's not a minor concern for Davis, um, is that his pop-up percentage skyrocketed last year uh, by almost uh, by 7.5%, up to 22.3%. Now that's 43 percent above league average and, and way up from the 14.8 percent so to be honest with you you'd rather see uh, an increase in the dribbler percentage than in the pop-up percentage because pop-up per- the BABIP on pop-ups is something like 0.02 you know so two out of every 100 uh, might fall in but um, you know they're near automatic outs whereas dribbler percentage the BABIP I can't remember it exactly offhand but I think it's around 100 one uh, 110 so better than those pop-ups. So he's exchanging kind of dribbler percentage for pop-ups. Um, you know, that's not good, but he is continuing to produce in that but, that sweet spot of that 20% hard drive rate, which is the critical uh, number to look at for him. Looking at his 40-game rolling averages over the past few seasons, uh, the one thing that stands out to me in uh, the most recent season is that his Um, Z contact was, I think, more stable than it's been in the past, um, right around his three-year trend mark, um, and spending a lot of the season above that, as high as 83.8% for a 40-game rolling average. He finished the season uh, right around um, 77.5%, so right around um, his three-year average. So um, nothing of great concern there. Uh, Hard hit rate peaked at 54.2% over a 40-game rolling average. It was down towards the end of the year end of the season, but still at a very solid 41%. No reason uh, for alarm there. Uh, Again, ground ball percentage trending down um, overall, as we discussed, all the way down at 32% over his last 40 games and really spent much of the season underneath the three-year trend line. So that is a good thing to see from Davis. Um, What would be even better to see from Davis is to see that pop-up rate go down and see um, those... um, those balls that he's hitting into the air at a little bit lower launch angles um, so that they're either hard drives or at least fly balls because fly balls go for hits um, uh, uh, a greater percentage of the time. Uh, Again, and that's in the X-Stap buckets, the six buckets, so not just your traditional fly ball, but um, a little bit lower launch angle that actually have the chance to fall in and not your automatic pop-ups. And then the um, O-Swing elevated a little bit towards the end of the season up at 29%, uh, had a high of... um, 
if my mouse will move here of around 32% it looks like, and then a low of 21.3%. And so I'd say overall the two-year trend for um, Davis is uh, some improved contact, um, uh, is improved contact as well as uh, improved plate discipline. And so that's really nice to see. Uh, he's 30 years old, um, so he's kind of at or slightly beyond his peak. Uh, so it's nice to see that there are still some gain, um, uh, some gains uh, taking place uh, for him. When we look at where he's going in drafts, he's going at 37.25 um, in your um, in NFCBC drafts. The five players ahead of him: Trevor ba- Bra- uh, Trevor Bauer, Chris Bryant, Whit Merrifield, Clayton Kershaw. The five behind him: Vlad Guerrero. Uh, Luis Severino, Walker Bueller, Anthony Rizzo, a guy we're going to cover next, and Noah Syndergaard. Uh, the thing with Chris, uh, with Chris Davis, um, I liked him a lot at his old ADP when he was going in the 60, uh, 50 to 60 range. Um, he's obviously a three-category contributor, uh, runs, home runs, and RBI. He is not going to tr- contribute stolen bases, and we know he's going to give us below-league average um, batting average. It's not you know your Joey Gallo terrible batting average, but... It still hurts a little bit. And so he's a three-category contributor. And going at this spot in the draft, I just don't feel comfortable taking a three-category contributor, even if it's a guy who's giving you that many home runs, uh, that many RBI, and that many... um, uh, And he doesn't even give you a ton of runs. I mean, 91, 98 the last two seasons. So it's decent. But I'd much rather get a balanced profile. I really do believe in having a balanced um, uh, foundation. So maybe it is that you get... Um, that you grab a Trey Turner uh, with your first pick, um, and then you end up getting Davis, um, you know, as your third your third guy in the third round. That's not necessarily um, you know terrible, or maybe a Jose Altuve, something like that. That's a pretty solid foundation. So if you start out like that, you know, Davis has obviously given you some consistency in that profile. Um, but you know, for me, I'm probably not taking him, him here. Um, I'd probably take guys like Starling Marte. Um, if I needed a starting pitcher, I'd definitely go uh, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Got to dive into Walker Bueller, but from what I've seen so far, Bueller, uh, Trevor Bauer, guys like that, um, you know, are, are guys that I would be going on, going to um, ahead of Chris Davis. Uh, even a guy like all the way down at 52, like Anthony Rendon, uh, the home run differential is obviously big, but in a lot of other categories, he's going to compete with Davis at least, maybe not RBI, um, or outperform him. So just something to really think about in team construction. Chris Davis is a guy who fits into particular um, team constructions. And so if you do have an opportunity or you need to add a lot of power, a lot of RBI uh, to your first couple draft picks, I can see going with, with Davis. But in general, I'm going to shy away from him um, at this price. Not because he's good, but just because... I'm looking for a little bit more of a balanced profile uh, that early in the draft. Next up, we have Anthony Rizzo, first baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Two early mock draft ADP of 36.7. He's fallen a few spaces in the 12 NFBC uh, drafts uh, to 40 uh, with a minimum pick of 29 and a maximum pick of 64. Boy would love to get him at 64 in a draft. Uh, Very consistent in terms of playing time for Rizzo over the last three years, 155, 157, and 153 games played. 
uh, over 650 plate appearances in all three uh, of those seasons with a high of 691 in 2017. This year, he hit 283, that, but that did come at a, on a 306 expected average. So a little bit lack of luck. This is the second consecutive year that Rizzo has been unlucky in the batting average department. Last year, he hit 273 with a 292 expected average. And so that's just one thing um, to consider with him is that while the av- batting average has been in the 270-280 uh, range the last couple years, there is the possibility of, of a higher batting average for him, which is really nice um, in the remainder of his profile. Uh, he is, um, uh, when we take a look at that profile, his K rate is actually down to 12%. That's four per- down 4% over the last two years, 1% uh, since last year. This is truly... Um, elite, especially for a guy who hits uh, for power like Rizzo does. Uh, BABIP uh, between 273 and 309 the last two years. That 309 BABIP, um, uh, you know, given given what his expected BABIP is at, is I would is expect his expected BABIP. Uh, they're expecting him to be closer to that 300 marker. So that's just something to consider. His overall contact was up to 84.9 percent, which is awesome. That is. above league average. And then his in-zone contact was all the way up at 91.5% this year, which is uh, terrific. 85.5% is league average right there. He's pretty consistent there for three years. And so that's why you see uh, those elite uh, strikeout uh, levels. Uh, OBP, he's fantastic in OBP leagues, 376, 392, and 385 the last three years. Remember um, that 376 um, OBP, uh, did come with um, uh, did come with a 23 point uh, underperformance on his expected average. So that would boost it back up into the 390, even close to four uh, range. So a very solid uh, guy in OBP leagues. Um, his O swing actually isn't that um, strong. It's slightly worse than league average. I wonder if that OBP is so high because he gets hit by so many pitches. To be honest with you. Uh, 32.1% this past year, so about 1% above league average, uh, right around there, um, within a 1% of that the last two years as well. Um, his swing rate is right around league average as well. His walk rate, though, 10.5% this year, 13.2% last year, 10.9% this year. Uh, so solidly, uh, slightly above league average, uh, just something to be aware of. Um, in the runs department, I think this is an area where Rizzo got uh, fairly unlucky this year. Uh, he has our uh, run totals of 74 this year, 99 and 94, uh, the two years before that. When we look at his runs per plate appearance, he had 11.1% runs per plate appearance, which is 2% below league average. Uh, for example, that's negative 0.9 Z-score um, on that runs per plate appearance, uh, whereas in the past he's been right around 14%, which aligns much more uh, with his strong OBP skills. So I really think that's an aberration. And if he's able to hit that 600 plus plate appearance mark, I think you're looking at uh, 90 uh, runs again next year. Home runs, this is where he did disappoint this year. 25 home runs on 21.5 uh, expected home runs. Uh, that's after 32 and 32 the two previous years with similar expected home run totals. So you aren't getting necessarily the power um, that you may have been anticipating if you drafted him last year, uh, but still 25 home runs is a solid uh, uh, number. Looking at the underlying metrics of that 
um, of those home runs. Um, his expected home run uh, per plate appearance dropped from 4.3 last year, which is above league average to below league average at 3.2%. To me, that just doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't necessarily seem right. Uh, if that's an appropriate thing to say, you know, Anthony Rizzo does not strike me as a below league average power hitter. Um, so my instinct is that that will rebound, but we can dive into the power metrics in a second. His hard hit rate has been at 34, between 34.1 and 34.4% the last three years. So very steady there. His ground ball rate actually dipped uh, this year, which is good to see for that power normally, uh, to 37.9%. Uh, uh, ground ball rate. His home run per fly ball rate fell to 13.6% with an 11.7 expected home run per fly ball. Now we get into the hard hit fly ball rate and actually it did dip um, 5% this year down to 31%, which is well below um, league average. And so that might help explain uh, why we have the lower home run total uh, this year. So that's down from 36% uh, in 2017 and 39.6%. Um, in uh, 20, uh, 2016. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate was up though to 47.4%. Um, that's up from 29.4% last year. He did have a 46.2% total um, for that hard hit pulled fly ball. And so this is something that we you know, obviously love to see, especially a guy who traditionally has had a lot of power um, as Rizzo. Uh, barrels also down 32 this past year, 65 and or 45 and 44 the year two years before that. Consistent barrels per plate appearance at 6.5%. The two previous years, 4.8% this year. So a dip again. His average home run uh, distance did stay around the same at 404, down from 408 last year, but up from 402 two years before. And then he did have 101 RBI this year. Uh, after posting back-to-back 109 RBI seasons the two previous years. He's between 15 and 16% uh, on his RBI per plate appearance. Uh, batting third primarily in the uh, Cubs lineup will help out, along with having uh, Chris Bryant um, and, I don't know, Kyle Schwarber batting ahead of him, who is first in the, in the Cubs batting lineup. I don't know. It's somebody who probably has a good OBP. Um, so again, you know, very solid, um, overall production from Rizzo. It's important to note, you know, the potential and or likely, um, boost to that batting average. I don't know if you can call it likely, but certainly the potential, but it's still above, um, uh, league average. And so that's important to note. It's between a half and one standard deviation uh, above uh, the mean, um, in terms of average. So he's, he's helping you there. He's helping you in OBP leagues. He's helping you in runs. Um, he's pr- producing in terms of home runs and then RBIs he's also producing. And so one of the major questions is, you know, there was a lot of uh, news about injuries from Rizzo from early on in the season. I remember um, uh, supposedly he slept poorly on a hotel mattress and ever since then his back was bothering him. And so that's just something to note whether or not that gets better this year, whether that does explain the drop in um, his, his, uh, his power numbers. He is uh, 29, I believe. Let me just check that out. Yeah, he's 29, um, and he'll be 29 uh, throughout the course of this season. And so I don't see a reason otherwise why those power numbers would spike. So I'm, um, I would generally, uh, t- you know, tack those on to a potential injury uh, last year since consistently uh, they're down across the board. So just something uh, to consider there. 
His WOBA, 359 this year after 380 and 391, but that expected uh, WOBA was at 386 according to XStat. So again, very, very solid. He had six stolen bases this year, only a .9 stolen base per plate appearance. That's actually below league average. He did um, steal 10 bases uh, in the season that he had the most plate appearances, but it's not like he's a speedy guy, and we'll get to that in a second. He's actually slow as rocks. Uh, 1.4%. Stolen base per plate appearance in that peak season. So I'd expect him to, you know, uh, bank on him giving you maybe five uh, for this season. Don't expect anything more. Stolen base success rate has been pretty bad the last three years. 37.5% two years ago, 71.4% last year, and 60% this year. So I don't know why they would give him the green light. Um, 200, uh, his stolen base opportunity percentage, 3.5%. Uh, last year, uh, 3.4% last year, 3.5% two years ago, 5.4% in 2017. That 3.5% range seems much more uh, like what you should expect from him. And as I mentioned, he is super slow. 25.9 feet uh, of sprint speed per second, uh, well below league average. That's two years ago. It's now down to 25.6 this year. So almost uh, a foot and a half below league average speed uh, which is certainly uh, notable because a lot of the guys that we've covered so far are much quicker uh, than that. So on the whole, a very balanced profile for Rizzo. While the stolen bases aren't likely to be up in those double digits again, uh, certainly having your first baseman um, add in five stolen bases is not anything to laugh about. Uh, looking at his... Uh, His more precise batted ball profile through X-Stats, what we see is a pretty stable profile. He cut his dribbler percentage by about a percentage and a half um, uh, last year, Um, but he also lost on his hard drive rate uh, by nearly 2%. And so again, that's consistent with what we saw with the other power metrics being down from previous seasons. Again, major question for him and his value is whether that rebounds and he gets you low 30s, around 30 home runs, or whether he's going to be in those mid-20s or even mid-to-low 20s based on his expected home run total this year, uh, next year. Uh, but some of the, a lot of those hard drives went over to line drives, which just, mean, just means that he was hitting them at a lower launch angle. Uh, and so hopefully that is something that he can uh, correct uh, this year. Um, and, and that can hopefully lead him to um, a little bit more power. Let's take a look at his rolling averages graph. Um, so pretty stable Z contact, really high, uh, peaking around 94.5%. Um, and then it did fall off as the season continued all the way down to 87.3% over the last 40 games. Uh, at the season end. Now that is um, uh, somewhat um, of note because it is the lowest point in the last three years for his in-zone contact um, over uh, a 40-game stretch. Now, you know, again, he it seemed like he was battling through injuries. That seemed to be what the reports were saying. And so that's just something to consider. And you'll note that his ground ball rate uh, dipped at the same time. Uh, towards the end of last year, um, all the way down to 36.1% after peaking in the middle of the season at about uh, 47.6%. O-swing was also up into the uh, mid-30s, 
So not uh, he lost a little bit of that plate discipline, and then his hard hit rate was starting to rebound in the last 40 games uh, up to about 35.5%. Uh, it did peak um, towards the three-quarter mark of the season at around 40%. So um, better towards the end um, of the year. There's nothing that jumps out as being particularly concerning uh, in the overall profile looking at the rolling 40-game uh, rolling averages. Uh, the Z contact a little bit, but again, if he was battling injuries uh, throughout the season, uh, he may have worn down as the season progressed. There's nothing you know that dramatic uh, that I have huge um, concerns about uh, with that profile. So as we look um, at where Rizzo is going, uh, I really like Rizzo's value um, at this 40 um, ADP. So going uh, towards the back end, of the third round in 15 team leagues and then going at the beginning of the fourth round in 12 team leagues in 10 team leagues it's kind of easy to figure out right um not that the other ones are that difficult to figure out but he's going towards the end of the third round um or exactly at the end uh at, at at pick 40 on average i really do um i like this position for rizzo because he is i talk a lot about balanced profiles uh, and I know it's probably annoying, but I really do think that balanced profiles are so helpful, not only because they help build a solid foundation across the board in 5x5 five five or 6x6 six six roto leagues, um, but also because they provide some insurance. I'll, I'll talk about this a lot, but kind of uh, this idea of diversifying uh, where you're getting your stolen bases or your home runs or all of your categories really as much as possible. It helps with more guys going on the 10-day DL um, it really helps uh, to ensure that you're not relying on one player in particular um, in any one category. Um, and stolen bases is the most obvious, but I think we can also fall into the same trap in other categories as well. So that's just something to think about. So the five players going ahead of Rizzo, Walker Bueller, Luis Severino, Vladito, uh, Chris Davis, uh, Trevor Bauer, the five going behind him, Syndergaard, Marte, Carrasco, Hoskins, and Albies. I definitely like Rizzo ahead of everybody except for Starling Marte. Um, I talked about him earlier. I like him a lot um, heading into next year. I like him a lot more than those guys. I'd take him depending on what my needs were, but I think you know just from a knowing what you're going to get perspective and the solid balanced profile, I would take Rizzo over Bueller over Severino. I think Vladito, um, you know, you that's a tough one. I probably go Rizzo too, but I'm really hesitant to do that just because we know how good, um, you know, Vlad is breaking projection systems with his major league equivalents. Um, so that one really has to do with your level of comfort with risk. I definitely see, uh, Vlad as somebody who can produce a really, really nice line. So can Rizzo, but, uh, Vladito probably has a higher, at least batting average, um, than Rizzo. Uh, potentially power. Um, so just something to consider there. I think I definitely like Rizzo more than his teammate, uh, Chris Bryant. Um, I don't know about Whit Merrifold. That's really a, a, a dis- decision about um, whether you, you know, what your team needs as you're building it. I, you know, if I don't need stolen bases, I probably go Rizzo there over Whit Merrifield, even though that's sacrilegious based on my love for Whit in the past. But I really think Rizzo is a really nice um, guy going here in the third round. If you're drafting earlier or in the middle of the third round, I could definitely see um, uh, taking 
uh, Rizzo as your third player. I mean, I was talking earlier on Twitter about um, Yelich is going, I think, around 8th for ADP. Let's see, Yelich, yeah, right around 8th. I was thinking, you know, if you started out Yelich at the number 8 pick, and then you followed that up uh, with, um, like, Justin Verlander at, at, uh, at 24 or 23, I guess, um, and then you followed that up, with a Rizzo, that's a pretty nice start. You know, I might want a little bit more um, speed at the beginning of the draft, but, you know, that's a really nice start. And so I think that Rizzo, I'll probably have him in the low 30s um, by the time final rankings come out and I have a chance to look at everybody. I think the solid balance profile is something that can help. Um, any team is a really strong foundation to start. And I think you're really getting a guy who has gone in the first or second round the last couple years who had a down year, but even in that down year, he was still a pretty, pretty solid contributor. So um, if you're not into risk, Rizzo is a really nice uh, pick here in the third round. Next up, our first pitcher of the podcast, Blake Snell of the Rays, uh, went at uh, ADP of 37 in the 10-2 early mock drafts. That is all the way down to 27.25 in the 12 NFBC drafts with a minimum pick of 21 and a high of 34. So even the high pick in those drafts is lower than the two early mock draft ADP. Again, remember that NFBC uh, format puts a premium on pitching, and so you oftentimes see that see pitching go earlier in those drafts than you might in your uh, standard, more traditional home leagues. Uh, 31 game starts. A game started uh, last year. That was a three-year high and career high uh, for Snell. 24 last year, 19 the year before that. He had a career high of 180.2 innings pitched. And that's just something to note with Snell is even though he got more than 30 games start, he didn't really get too close to that 200-inning mark. Um, and that's uh, important to note, as is the fact that his 21 victories that he had this year came in those 31 starts. That is a 677 uh, percent, so a two-thirds win per game start, which is just an unsustainable clip, um, and so definitely expect that to uh, fall down um, uh, a wee little bit, uh, probably closer to 15-16 given the innings and game starts. Um, again, depends all on health. K-minus walk rate, a very solid 22.4%, uh, so not in that elite category, but in that borderline, or not borderline, but like second group of folks, uh, the Trevor Bowers of the world, the Corey Klubers of the world. Strikeout rate of 31.6% is very, very strong. Um, as you'll see that the strikeout numbers are, are awesome. Um, it's really the control um, and some of the batted ball stuff where, where I have some concerns. But 221 strikeouts in those 180.2 innings, so he got you uh, the 200-plus strikeouts, which is... Um, really, really solid. And again, where you were being, where you were drafting him this year, he was on a lot of league winners. That's for sure. Uh, K per nine is at 11. Uh, swinging strike rate at an elite 15.1%. This is in the range of your uh, Max Scherzer's, your Justin Verlander's, your Jacob Degrom's. Um, so that is really, really good. O contact super low at 44%, about 18% below league average, which is awesome. In the zone, he's a little bit more um, hittable, 81.7%, so still well below league average, about 4%. Uh, not in that elite high 70s uh, territory that you see a lot of those um, really strong guys in. 
Contact rate overall, though, very, very low. It's 66.7% as a result of that O contact um, and um, pretty solid uh, O swing. His walk rate uh, was at um, uh, 9.1% uh, this year, which, is, uh, which was a uh, career low, um, which is really nice to see, obviously, uh, anytime you have a young hitter. Um, the walks per nine, 3.19. Uh, the first pitch strike rate, though, is a little bit uh, worrisome, 57.1%. That's 3.5% uh, percent below league average. Um, and then his O swing is 32.4%, so about 1.5% above league average. But his zone percentage is also low at 38.2%, about 5% below league average. So when you combine those two numbers, you're looking, looking at somebody who throws the ball um, who doesn't get ahead of a lot of hitters, um, and who um, also doesn't who throws a lot of balls um, compared to a lot of the more elite pitchers that you're going to see, and so that is really uh, important as we get along because we are going to see there was a decent amount of luck uh, involved in some of the batted ball uh, stuff for Snell. Um, he had a .97 WHIP despite an above league average. A walk percentage, and that's because he held opposing hitters to a 241 BABIP, which is very, very low. That is 52 points below league average, and that came on a 282 expected BABIP. That lines up last year, it was at 277 BABIP with a 290 expected BABIP. So, two consecutive years with like a 280 to 290 expected BABIP. So, I'd expect some major regression uh, on, the, on that BABIP. And that's important because he does allow a decent a num, uh, number of uh, base runners, at least compared to other pitchers in his tier. Um, he's much closer to a league average um, uh, walks per nine and above league average in terms of his walk percentage. So the BABIP comes into play as being very important because uh, a lot of times there are going to be runners on base uh, when those base hits happen. Soft hit rate, 18.1%, right on at league average. 35.8%, slightly above league average, um, his uh, hard hit rate. Um, so, you know, pretty much about league average all across the board, including his ground ball rate of 44.7%. His WOBA was at 246, uh, which is super elite. That is in the Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom territory. But his expected weighted on base average was 273, which... Um, is much more um, in that second tier of starting pitchers. His ERA, uh, which got him a lot of notoriety, obviously, 1.89, helped him win that Cy Young Award. His FIP was at 295, XFIP 316, and Sierra 3.3. Uh, and so we see that strand rate at 88%. Now, I can't emphasize enough um, that is incredibly high for Snell. Obviously, his strikeout rate is really high, so a high strand rate um, is fine. We have not seen similar, similar strand, late, strand rates for him in other seasons, 70.9% last year, 73% uh, the year before that. Obviously, he was a much better pitcher this year, but the reason why you see that really high strand rate um, is because of that super low BABIP, right? Guys were getting on base... Um, but he was he was either striking folks out, which he can continue to do, or when people were putting balls into play, um, they were becoming outs 
more often than they should have. And so that's just important to note uh, for his ERA um, and the whip as well, because I, I won't, don't anticipate that it's going to stay under one, and I don't anticipate that his ERA is going to stay under two. That's not necessarily rocket science, but I do see that ERA jumping into the high twos, uh, low threes, um, probably I would say more likely into the high twos range just because it looks like he should have about a league average um, uh, BABIP. So that's still very, very solid, but it's not going to be uh, what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a career year uh, for Snell because of some of these quote-unquote luck factors. Uh, when it comes to um, uh, his whip, uh, again, you know he's going to give up more hits. He could improve the walk rate. That's definitely a way that he could uh, keep that around in the same ballpark, but I'd say maybe like a 1.1 uh, would be a more reasonable whip for him to have. So not necessarily an elite whip. Uh, an elite uh, ERA is definitely possible, but I would not anticipate anywhere close to a repeat uh, for next year. Home runs, 16 home runs, uh, given up 18.1 expected home runs. That would ju- jump his home run per fly ball rate from 10.7 to about a league average 12.1% in his expected home run per fly ball. He gave up 0.8 home runs per nine. The expected home runs jump him up to 0.9, so still well below uh, league average. Again, something to note about those is that uh, when he does give up home runs because uh, of the walk uh, issue, um, folks are more likely to, uh, to be on base. So just something to think about. Barrels, 30 given up this year, 4.3 barrels per plate appearance. That's actually his highest uh, rate in the last three years. It was at 2.9% last year and 2% uh, the year before that. Average home run distance up to 401, uh, slightly above last year's 399 and well above two years ago at 375. Now let's do uh, let's dive into his um, detailed batted ball profile via X stats. Um, just on a year to year, from a year to year perspective, um, we have uh, his pop up rate actually went down uh, slightly. Again, pop ups are pretty much automatic outs, so that's not necessarily a good development. But they did go into fly balls, which don't have a high BABIP. They sometimes go for home runs the way that X stats breaks them down, but they're not terrible batted balls. His hard drive rate did also go up, though, 10.1%. So slightly below league average, but up from 8.7% the last two years. Um, So again, those are your most dangerous batted balls. His line drive rate went down 14.7 from 15.2%. Uh, so that's nice right there. Ground balls also down 18.4% and dribblers up. So essentially he's giving up um, worse contact on the ground and in kind of lower, less dangerous uh, batted balls, but he's giving up more hard drives, um, which uh, you know is not, is not necessarily good, but it's not a huge change. And with the increase in strikeout rate, uh, that's uh, really, really... Um, you know, overall, nothing, nothing terrible there. His poor hit rate uh, did drop to 22.9% from 28.7% of this year, according to XStats, and that's actually below a league average of 25.5%. So just something to note, his, his value hit, or similar to barrels the way XStats does, it was at 6.7%, which is well below league average. So overall, nothing uh, glaring in the batted ball profile, um, you know, in either... Uh, direction, it is nice to see an increase in those dribbler percentages. Um, 
you know, and, and the weak contact that he's generating. The Rays also generally tend to have strong defense, so that's always um, in his favor. Let's take a look at his uh, pitch mix. Um, so his four-seam fastball uh, bumped up to 96 miles per hour on average last year. That's up from 94.3 uh, the two previous years, so that velocity is really, really nice. Um, his pitch mix, he's got two negative pitches, which is really sweet. Um, his four-seam is the most hittable, 106 WRC plus against, so slightly better than league average, a 311 Woba, but his curveball is just nasty, negative three WRC plus, 144 Woba, changeup also solid, 82 WRC plus, 272 Woba, and then his slider's at negative 12, a 132 uh, Woba. So he's got the two breaking pitches that he got are just um, uh, awesome, absolutely awesome. When we take a look at those pitches, uh, two pitches with a 24.5% swinging strike rate or above. That's his curveball um, and his slider. Both of those getting about mid-40s in terms of O-swing, which is really nice. His changeup um, still has a 15.3% swinging strike rate, which is really solid, and a 33.1% O-swing, which is great to see. 9.4% swinging strike rate on that four-seam fastball, which is nice. Um, better than league average, and he's got four positive pitches, and that slider that actually was the pitch he threw the least has one of the highest, if not the highest, pitch value per 100 thrown that I've seen at 4.1. Um, 2.3 positive pitch value per 100 thrown for that curveball, which is also awesome. The four-seam is just a slightly positive pitch, 0.6 positive pitch value per 100, but again, given what the other offerings he's got, that's solid. And then 1.4 positive pitch value per 100 thrown for the changeup. So the arsenal is just nasty. Now, the only challenge with the arsenal is the four-seam fastball is really the only pitch that he can get in the zone, and he only gets that in the zone about 50% of the time. And so that's just something to monitor again. He's going to rely on a really on a, on a solid to high O swing in order to, to improve um, that walk rate. Now, his 10-game rolling average is also nasty. I mean, this is where you see the upside with Snell and the just awesome potential. He won the Cy Young, so you can't really say potential at this point, but just a really, really, really nasty arsenal and those two pitches. His swinging strike rate over the last 10 games, 18.9%. I think that's the highest that I've seen. So the strikeout capability is just nasty. The O swing also up at 38%. Again, absolutely nasty. The zone percent down a little bit, but not down as much as the O swing is up, so that's good. 36.5%. He's similar to a Patrick Corbin in terms of the need for that O swing to be high, but his zone percentage is higher than that. Really good sign here. His first pitch strike rate up at 65% over the last 10 games. So at the same time that he's gotten those absolutely insane swinging strike rate and O-swing numbers, he's also got a first pitch strike rate that is uh, going up, which is great. And then his Z contact is all the way down at 77.6%, which is really elite. So you see where um, what is what is driving um, Snell's just his his ADP and the reason why folks are going at from so high is that the um, is that from a ratio perspective or not a ratio perspective but from a skills perspective you will find very few profiles if any that are as strong as Snell's when he is on he 
is just absolutely on fire. Now, let's take a look at that pitch at his pitch mix um, just to see what we have going on that's driving that. It's an increase in the curve. So he really dramatically increased his curve usage as the season wore on. Uh, started out early around 15%, and that got all the way up to 27% over his last 10 games. And then his fastball, let's see, and then he was fading his fastball. So he was only throwing his fastball at 46.3% of the time with the uppage of the usage of the curveball. And then I would guess that the changeup change up is about flat, but slightly up to 20.9%. Um, um, let's take a look at, you know, and that changeup, and the changeup is has the highest ground ball rate um, of any of his pitches, but nothing really to write home about uh, there. So what's driving the dramatic increase in his swinging strike rate is using that four-seam fastball less and using uh, those just that just nasty arsenal of curve slider and change more. And that is naturally going to increase his swinging strike rate. And so the Ks per nine is really, you know, or the, the K percentage is where, um, you know, that upside is for Snell. That's just absolutely incredible. And if he can continue to maintain the increase in that O swing and in the overall uh, first pitch strike, so getting ahead of hitters, that is absolutely critical too because then he has him on the back foot and he's able to throw just nasty uh, breaking stuff uh, into the equation. Uh, so Snell right now, as I mentioned, going um, at 27.25, uh, the exact same ADP as Juan Soto. The five guys going ahead of him are Juan Soto, Charlie Blackman, Justin Verlander, and Corey Kluber, Andrew Benintendi, Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, and Whit Merrifield um, are going uh, behind him. I think Snell, Snell for me is a higher risk guy than most of the other starting pitchers um, uh, that are around him on the board. He has the potential to have the highest strikeout rate of any pitcher. He's essentially like a mini Chris Sale, um, but without having shown yet that he can produce the volume. And so that is going to be a major question with, um, uh, with Snell uh, would, be, would be that. But um, if you compare him with a guy, with a pitcher later on, who is um, who maybe throws more innings or you can trust to throw more innings, um, then that is a good one-two combo uh, to help compensate for the one weakness that Snell does have. Now, I don't anticipate that he's going to recreate that 1.89 ERA or even maybe that 0.97 whip um, because I do think that that BABIP and the strand rate are due uh, for some pretty significant regression. But still... He's awesome. So when I'm looking at picture pitchers right now, we have Max Scherzer is number one, Jacob Degrom number two, Chris Sale um, number three. I've got Justin Verlander as number four. Uh, Aaron Nola is there right here. I think I would feel comfortable drafting Snell above some of the more consistent but less exciting guys, maybe like a Corey Kluber. Um, uh, Garrett Cole is an interesting one to. Um, compare him to, I don't know if, I don't think I'd take him over Verlander just because Verlander has been so solid um, and I, and pitching for the Astros is about the best situation you can ask yourself to get into. Uh, but I can see Snell um, uh, right there with an Aaron Nola. I may even take him over Aaron Nola because I think the strikeouts, he won't even need the same number of innings to outpace Nola in the strikeout department. And I think 
those ratios are going to be really solid. Um, so I, I probably have him in the 6-7 range uh, for starting pitchers, but I don't think you can go wrong with him. His ADP right now seems, um, seems fairly reasonable for uh, what he's been able to um, uh, what he has been able to produce. Something I think would be pretty nasty in terms of a kind of a one, two, three is if you're drafting early um, in the draft and you're able to get like trout or bets, and then you're able to get Snell. Um, at the end of the second round, and then in the begin- in the beginning of the third, grab like a Trevor Bauer after that. That would give you just um, you know a really 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 solid start to your team and your pitching staff. Um, so that's just something uh, to think about. But Snell, the skills he has the highest uh, ceiling, I would say, um, in terms of skills of potentially any starter. But he's got that Chris Sale potential. He's just got to show us the volume. That is the major question for him, but um, a, a risk probably worth uh, taking um, in the middle to end of the second round in 15-teamers and uh, in the early third round in 12-teamers. He's actually a guy, just to add, in your in your 12-teamers and your 10-teamers, I feel comfortable grabbing him earlier because you can, you can, you can, you can take a little bit more risk on uh, and that type of profile, so... Hope this has been helpful. Hope you enjoyed that. Blake Snell, super interesting uh, guy heading into this 2019 drafts. Last player we're going to cover in this uh, podcast is Garrett Cole, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. Another guy who helped players, uh, helped fantasy players win a lot of leagues last season. 37.6 average draft position in the 10 to early mock drafts. That is down at 29.83 in the 12 NFBC drafts with a minimum pick of 25 and a high pick of 40. Again, remember, NFBC tends to put a premium on pitching. Um, 32 games this year after 33 in 2017 after an injury-shortened 21 in 2016. Uh, Two straight years with at least 200 innings pitched, which is really nice to see. Um, He also... um, uh, he won 15 games last year, 46.9% uh, wins per, per game start, um, which was actually a three-year high for him. Uh, K-minus walk rate, you'd expect that K, the win rate to be decent with the Astros. Again, not the easiest thing to predict, but um, something you like to see. K-minus walk rate is a uh, pretty near elite, I'll just call it elite, 26.5%. He's got a very good 34.5%. Uh, strikeout rate um, that is similar to our buddy Justin Verlander, who we covered in yesterday's podcast. So the strikeout numbers really nice there. 276 strikeouts in those 200 innings for a 12.4 strikeouts per nine, which is awesome. Swinging strike rate is at 14.1 percent, very very strong there. Out uh, outside the zone contact rate, uh, 11 percent below league average. In-zone contact rate, 5% below league average. Overall contact rate, about 6% below league average. So all very, very solid there. Again, the strikeout rate seems a little high for the 14.1% swinging strike rate. So we might expect a little bit of regression there, but it's still very, very strong numbers for Cole. Uh, 8% walk rate, so slightly below league average. That's actually the highest walk rate he's had 
in the last three years, up from 6.5% last year and 7.1% the year before that. And I don't actually think that he really deserves it. 63.5% um, uh, first pitch strike, so 3% better than league average. And then an O swing, that's about a percentage and a half above league average at 32.2%. And he's in the zone a lot at 47.1%. So I don't see any reason why that walk rate actually went up this year. If anything, it should have been around previous years in the six to seven range. So that's just something where you may see some positive regression if he continues to pitch uh, the way he did last year. Uh, His whip, uh, 1.03 this year, down from 1.25 and 1.44. Really nice to see. 286 BABIP. So, um, you know, he's got that nice whip, even with a potentially elevated walk percentage compared to where he should have been, and then a reasonable 286 BABIP. He did outperform um, his expected BABIP of 294, but just slightly. Now, the good thing to note is that his expected BABIP in previous years was 317 and 344. So he did have a little bit of a BABIP issue, um, but that seems to have been resolved a little bit. And the reason for that is that he's giving up a lot more fly balls, which I'll cover in detail when we get into his um, uh, batted ball profile breakdown through X stats. Uh, 18.6 soft hit rate. That's actually lower than previous seasons when he was in the low 20s. 31% hard hit rate. That is below league average. His ground ball rate fell almost 10%. 36% this year. That is very low. Um, But again, this is the Astros. This is what they go to, right? They go to guys who throw... Uh, fast, forcing fastballs, high up in the zone. When they do give up contact, it's oftentimes fly balls. Sometimes it's home runs, um, but oftentimes uh, they do not fall for hits. And so um, that's, you know, a, a different strategy than your high, high your focus on high ground balls uh, that you often saw uh, in the past. Um, but it's definitely, as you can tell from Cole and Verlander working, 265 Woba, a 270 expected Weighted on base average, uh, a good comp for that is remember that um, our buddy Blake Snell, who we just covered, was at like a 245 WOBA, but his expected uh, weighted on base average was at 275. So based on X WOBA from X stats, and again, this isn't a be all end all, but Cole actually had the better season um, than Snell did. ERA was at 288, ERA indicators at 318. Uh, or excuse me, 2.7 for FIP, 3.04 for his XFIP, and 291 for Sierra. So really supporting um, his ERA about that uh, in that high two, uh, low three range. And again, you know, not surprising since he had a reasonable BABIP. Now let's take a look at that strand rate, 77.9%, highest of the last three years, but it's also accompanied by that really high strikeout rate, uh, which is going to help your strand rate uh, at least a little bit. Uh, Home runs 19 this year after having a little bit of a home run issue last year, giving up 31. That came on 19.6 expected home runs, so right in line, as did the 30.1 expected home runs on last year's 31 home runs. So right in line there, 10% home run per fly ball rate, 10.3 expected home run per fly ball rate, really, really solid. Uh, 0.85 home runs per nine, uh, also excellent. So from a batted ball perspective, we're seeing... You know, not insanely low numbers, but just really solid overall, which is great um, considering, you know, the strikeout and walk profile that we saw earlier. Barrels down to 3.5% after 5.3% last year, 2.2% the year before that. Uh, Average home run distance down to 391 uh, from the low 400s. Very, very nice 
all-around profile for Garrett Cole. I like what I'm seeing a lot. Now let's take a look at his detailed batted ball profile at xstats.org. Huge jump in his pop-up rate from 16.2%, which is actually below league average last year, to 21.2%, which is over 3% um, above uh, league average. Again, 3% doesn't seem like a lot, but 3% um, when it comes to a BABIP, for instance, uh, is 30 points. And so you can see where a decrease in that BABIP is coming from. Uh, fly balls are also up 12.8%. So that is, um, that's not terrible because a lot of times those don't go for home runs. A lot of times they are outs. They do have the potential to be home runs and extra base hits, though. Um, his hard drive rate is up at 12.6%. So that's not necessarily good. Uh, that is above league average by about uh, 2%, and again, 2% above where he was uh, last year. Line drive rate also up 17.9%. Uh, ground ball rate is at 13.9%. That's down 7%. So as you can see, everything is up that's elevated, and that's probably intentional with the high forcing fastball um, you know, high in the zone. Um, it's kind of a risk-reward type thing. It can result in home runs, but it oftentimes results in poor batted balls, especially with the dejuicing of the baseball that we saw um, this year. Um, it, it, it has been a successful approach for a lot of really good pitchers uh, this year with Verlander and Cole kind of being the, uh, uh, the, uh, the main examples of that. His dribbler percentage is down 21.7% from 26.3%. That's a drop of 5%. So don't like to see that, but again, it mirrors the in, the 5% increase um, in his pop-up rate, and we will take uh, that switcheroo right there. So overall, no major concerns. He's obviously giving up some really well-hit balls in that hard drive percentage, but he's compensating for that with that significant um, increase in pop-up. Uh, percentage. And I said 3% earlier. I meant 5%. It's a 5% increase in pop-ups. Um, so that is absolutely um, uh, that is absolutely huge uh, for, uh, for Garrett Cole. So really nice there. Let's dive into the uh, pitch splits, which are equally uh, awesome uh, for our buddy Cole. You're talking about a guy, he's, he's average fastball. He it peaked over 100 miles per hour, but average 96.6. That's up about a half a tick from last year and any previous high in velocity. Note that is similar to our, um, actually, I think Verlander's was about steady, but, um, you know, you'll notice the, the um, for his pitch splits, he's got five positive pitches in terms of both WRC plus and positive pitch value for his four-seamer, which is critical because it's the pitch that he throws most often a 79 WRC plus 268 Woba. That is excellent uh, for a fastball. Slider at 70 WRC plus with a 254 Woba. 84 WRC plus on that curveball with a 275 Woba. 71 for the changeup with a 255 Woba. And the sinker with a 69 WRC plus and a 263 Woba. One of the things that I love about Cole, or that it's different of it in his profile, is he doesn't necessarily have that overpowering 20% swinging strike rate pitch that just dominates his repertoire, but he can go a lot of different directions with these five pitches, all of which are above league average with really, really solid Wobas, WRC pluses there. When we go into the breakdown, his four-seam fastball, 13.8% swinging strike rate on that four-seamer, which is awesome. Again, Justin Verlander's was at 13.7%. Similarly, 
uh, Cole's uh, four-seam fastball, the swinging strike rate on it jumped 5% uh, over, 5.5% from last year. That is similar to Justin Verlander. That's the Astros effect. Uh, ask Trevor Bauer about that, but whichever way you, you cut it, those four-seam fastballs up in the zone are certainly working um, for uh, Cole. 18.7% swinging strike rate on his slider, 39.6% O-swing, 12.1% swinging strike rate on his curveball, 33.5% O-swing, 12.3% swinging strike rate on his changeup, 20% O-swing. Um, and then his sinker, he doesn't throw it that often. He only threw about 100 last year. Um, all of them have positive pitch values. The highest pitch values belong to that changeup at 1.3 positive pitch value per 100, and the four-seam fastball at 1.7 positive pitch value uh, per uh, 100. Again, that four-seam fastball is just an awesome, awesome pitch uh, that's helping really drive everything that he does. So he doesn't have that overwhelming, you know, 40 to 45% O swing, 20% plus swinging strike rate, but everything is very solid across the board there. I think if he wants to take that next step in terms of swinging strike rate, which is asking a lot uh, because he's at 14.1% already, it's to somehow figure out how he gets a pitch uh, that provides that type of um, metrics for him. But again, very solid. Let's go to the 10-game rolling average uh, for Mr. Cole. Uh, swinging strike rate, his... Um, very, very consistent throughout the year. A little bit of a dip uh, towards the middle of the year when it got to 11.1% over 10 uh, games, but 14.4% at the end of the season in his last 10 games. The O swing up at 34.1%, which is really nice to see as well. Uh, zone rate is very close to 50, 48.3%, well above league average there. And the first pitch strike at 62.9%, so well above league average. So both the control metrics and the strikeout metrics looking really good throughout the season and actually remarkably consistent um, for being as high as they are. And then his zone Z contact down at 81.4%, again, pretty consistently down um, throughout the course of the year. Uh, that is very solid. Let's take a look um, at his pitch mix throughout the course of the year just to see if we saw any changes that might have spurred anything. So he had a spike in the fastball. Uh, up to 60% of his pitches towards the end of last year, down to 57.5. Um, but again, it's got a 13.7% swinging strike rate. So it's actually better than two of his uh, breaking and off-speed pitches, the changeup and the curveball. Uh, let's see if the slider percentage increased at all a little bit. Uh, no, slider percentage is actually down uh, a little bit over that period of time. Uh, curveball... Um, curveball up slightly second half of the season and then the change up uh, is up second half of the or actually down sorry looking at the wrong one down not really using that much so really you know the fastball that's the incredible thing about Cole is that his fastball is so strong that even when he increases its usage um, it actually boosts that swinging strike rate up a little bit I mean that's I don't know if that's for sure the reason why it's gone up um, you know there could be a lot of other um, factors, especially since, since it didn't go up um, a ton. But the thing that stands out for me the most in Cole's overall just repertoire and in um, the skills is that the fastball is very, very strong pitch for him. Um, in order for him to continue to be successful, that's going to need to be uh, a successful pitch for him. Um, and then also that he's just been, he was remarkably consistent uh, last year. I mean, obviously some ups and downs 
uh, some variant throughout the year, but overall pretty solid on all of the skills. And that's really good news for both the strikeout, uh, strikeouts and the um, uh, overall control. When we look at where Cole is going, um, you got uh, Blake Snell right ahead of him, Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, Aaron Nola. Uh, behind him, Kershaw, Bauer, Severino, Bueller. I definitely like Cole. Um, I would say I'd like Cole above, above Kluber. Um, I think that uh, the swinging strike rate is is really nice. I think the control metrics are really nice. The situation with the Astros um, is obviously really nice. Um, so I would probably go Cole over Kluber. Probably going to go Cole over Nola as well. We saw Nola take kind of that next step towards the end of the year. Um, but that still got that swinging strike rate to the mid threes, um, as opposed to Cole, who was in the 14 uh, percent um, towards the end of last year. And he's also in a better situation than Nola um, in Philly. And so right now, I'd probably rank the starting pitchers Scherzer, DeGrom, um, Sale, Verlander, Snell, Cole, Nola, Kluber um, right now. So going at 29.83. Uh, I like where he's going right there. Have no problem with having him um, as your ace to lead your staff. Or if you're going to go pitching heavy, maybe go with a little uh, Cole Bauer action. You can tell I love Trevor Bauer because I'm including him in every single scenario. But, um, you know, Garrett Cole is a really solid, you know, guy in terms of uh, volume, innings pitched. The ratios should should be nice. The strikeouts should be there. Assuming that he's able to uh, maintain the increases in the swinging strike rate. Um, of his fastball. Uh, so that's something to monitor during spring training, but otherwise looks like a really safe bet uh, for a guy to lead your pitching staff in 2019. In today's Reach Charles, I want to give some props to Andrew Perpetua and xstats.org, which is a tool that I have used now going on, I believe, three years ever since it, uh, Andrew first created the system. And what it does is it essentially uses the exit velocity, the horizontal and vertical launch angle of every single batted ball, in addition to other factors like park factors. Um, and it determines the likelihood of each batted ball being a hit, what type of hit, and it gives it an expected value. So essentially like an expected hit value, an expected home run value, an expected first bit, uh, single value, expected double value, so on and so forth using that combination. And I've found it to be incredibly helpful um, in a number of different ways just to see um, you know, where there may have been some luck or lack of luck involved in how a hitter or a pitcher is doing um, and the, uh, how, how balls in play are falling in. Uh, using that similar to how a lot of people use expected WOBA versus WOBA. Uh, things of that nature, and also just to get a sense of who is striking the ball really, really well. Um, and so one of the things that I love about xstats.org is that it has very detailed batted ball profiles. And what I mean by this is that your standard batted ball profile includes ground ball, line drive, fly ball, and then we have infield fly ball percentage, which is actually just the number of infield fly balls divided by the number of fly balls, not total overall balls in play. And so that is that gives you a decent look at how a, how a how a hitter is hitting the ball, but we all know that not all fly balls or ground balls are created equal, right? Um, a fly ball to center field that's straight up in the air is a can of corn whereas one that's hit 
at a really nice launch angle um, with enough exit velocity could be a home run. We know that a dribbler, you know, something that, that's a ball that's hit directly into the ground is not going to be as successful as a ball that's hit at a negative one degree, um, which is essentially like a very, very uh, grass skimming line drive, um, if not a little bit lower and can be hit a lot harder. So um, if you go to xstats.org and you click on the spreadsheets, um, you get a breakdown of six different types of batted balls. A DB percentage, which is dribbler percentage. And those are really poorly batted uh, ground balls that have an overall batting average of 124. So they're not going for extra base hits, and only about one out of every 10 or 12 out of 100 uh, go for um, base hits. So they're really bad uh, ground balls. Uh, ground balls are at slightly higher launch angles. They're your, they're your good ground balls if there's, any, if there's such a thing. And they have a batting average of 369. So again, they're not going for home runs at all, right? Because the batting average is essentially the same as the WOBA is at 337. Uh, but they do have a pretty high BABIP. Line drives are your lower hit ground balls that are too low uh, to be home runs, um, but they are uh, too high to be caught by infielders, generally speaking. They have a 759 uh, batting average. Their BABIP is 759, essentially. Ten of them uh, went for home runs um, uh, you know, in the, in the sample that I'm looking for. So some do clear the fence, but generally speaking, uh, these are, again, in the field of play and generally singles. 70, 59, 59 batting average, uh, 727 um, uh, WOBA. Hard drives are your ideally hit balls. So these are at really nice launch angles that go for extra base hits and home runs. Uh, they have a batting average of 683, but a WOBA of 1.15 six. So just absolutely um, crushing the ball, right? These are your kind of, um, I don't know the exact launch angle, but I would guess something like 16 or um, 17 all the way up uh, through the mid uh, 20s. So these are really nice launch angles. And again, these are put together not based on launch angle and exit velocity in and of themselves, but Andrew actually puts them together based on both exit velocity and the launch angle and what it produces, right? So the outcomes that happen from those combinations. And it includes horizontal launch angle, which is not included in uh, baseball savants uh, stat cast data. So that's a really important distinction um, to make as well. And one of the reasons why I trust it the most of the expected uh, metrics. So hard drives are those elite uh, uh, hit balls um, of the you know, probably, uh, let's, my quick addition skills right here, uh, of the 70, uh, 17,500 home runs that were hit in the sample that he shares in the article when he created these buckets, um, 15,689 of those of home runs were hard drives, just to give you a sense of um, how, how good of batted balls they are. Fly balls are your higher than um, uh, traditional hard drives and your lower um, uh, launch angle and higher exit velocity than your pop-up. So these are ones that can go for home runs. They result in, in uh, close to 1,700 home runs, but only a 235 batting average and a 292 WOBA. So below league average uh, on both of those. So when they do go for hits, they generally go for good hits, but overall you're not generating a lot of hits from them. And then your pop-ups only have a 0.021 batting average. 
So that means uh, out of every uh, 100 that are hit, only about two and a half of them uh, fall for, uh, or only two of them uh, fall for hits. So they really are uh, your worst type of batted ball because they're essentially batted strikeouts. And so with those six batted ball categories, with that detailed batted ball categories, it really gives you a better sense of how a batter is striking the ball. It doesn't lump hard drives and fly balls together. It tells you uh, and pop-ups together into a, into a big fly ball bucket. It gives you that, and then it gives you the league average percentage so you can compare how each player is doing compared to the league average in all of those. And so that is my go-to uh, for batted ball profile as opposed to the traditional ground ball, line drive, fly ball. It's much more precise, and it gives you a much better sense of how uh, the quality of contact uh, that a hitter is producing. Now, if you look at the correlations from year to year, you'll note that the highest correlated batted balls are hard drives at 524 from 2017 to 2018, year to year, and then 469 for dribblers and 416 for pop-ups. So really looking at the dribblers, the pop-ups, and the hard drives as the batted balls that are critical in determining how somebody's likely to perform from a year-to-year basis. Now, the correlations aren't super, super high, but those are the highest ones, and so those are the ones that you should be paying the most uh, attention to. So you can get to these batted ball profiles very easily. Just go to xstats.org. From the xstats.org main page, just click on the xstats v2.9 batters or xstats v2.9 pitchers or any of the other past 30 days or player search um, functionality to get those. If you use the full spreadsheets, just do a control F and find the players that you're looking for. You can also filter them um, to, to identify league leaders in different categories, which is really great. So this is a, this is a research tool that I've been jazzed on for a really long time. It's been super helpful for me, um, for, for the way that I analyze players and just overall, um, in any success that I've had in fantasy baseball, um, xstats.org and these detailed batting batted ball profiles are really, really critical tools that you can use uh, to improve your performance. That is going to rest, wrap us up for episode 40 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Super interesting players covered this time. Uh, Chris Davis, Anthony Rizzo, Blake Snell, Garrett Cole. Also gave a shout out to Andrew Perpetua and xstats.org. In particular, uh, the detailed batted ball profile tool. Uh, super, super helpful. Definitely check that out. In future episodes, on the Reach Charles segment, I will also be covering, covering other elements of xstats.org that I really, really appreciate, including things like expected home runs. So uh, definitely check that out. Hope you enjoyed the show. More profiles to come as the week progresses. Uh, we're starting to get into the territory where there's a lot more movement, I think, in ADP. Those top of the, top of the ADP ladder guys are folks who are pretty solid in their skills overall. We're starting to get into that territory where I think there's just a lot of flexibility uh, for fantasy baseball players to choose their path, to build their team, um, and to be able to identify the weaknesses and strengths that each player has. So hopefully this podcast and the profiles will be part of that journey for you. 
As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That is the best place to engage. If you do leave that five-star rating or that review, definitely hit me up. Let me know which players you want me to cover. Take care of yourselves. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research and be kind to one another.